0: Meanwhile, there's free agents that's left sitting everywhere
1: everywhere everywhere
0: yeah yeah that's why i posted that thing i was tweeting yesterday because i was just like you know at some point alavila is going to wake up from his slumber at like the end of january and there's still going to be like a million free agents desperate for a job and it's like could you please at that point go out there and pick up everything we need and add a few pictures and such? but i don't know yeah we can get into
1: that (laughs)
0: Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. BlessYouBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. Uh, I'm your host, Brandon Day. I'm a staff writer and editor with Bless You Boys. And with me is my co-host, Ashley McLennan, who is also a staff writer and editor. Ashley, how's it going tonight? It's winter. I know. And actually, stuff happened. Yeah, actually. We it's like were a reason kinda, to have a podcast. I was like, okay. I know, we,
1: were, we were thinking it would all be like going into winter meetings. We'll like prep you guys for what might happen.
0: Uh, but stuff has actually happened. Yep. It's been kind of a busy, busy week, really. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into it all. And um, we'll, we'll probably, the way we're thinking of doing this is we're going to kind of break down like a Tiger segment and then a listener question segment. And then after that, we'll go into the bizarre non-tender bloodbath that happened last friday and uh whatever's going on with the free agent market we had a little bit of news today so yeah we'll kind of uh we'll start out tigers wise so if you guys you know aren't interested in baseball generally and just want to know about the tigers just stick with us for the first half and i'll try to timestamp stamp this thing for once and uh <laughs> and try to do that going forward
1: we're gonna try a fun experiment where we actually break down the podcast for you guys
0: yeah rather than like ah, eh, here's an hour and a half you know just dive in and you know see what happens
1: this way we can actually mark where we go off on really long tangents
0: that have nothing to do with anything. Exactly. Maybe we'll, we'll give our uh, have feedback for ourselves this way. Actual data <laughs> with which to improve <laughs> in the future. Tigers, take note. Um, you'll, ne- you'll never take my rambles. No, no, we, we're going to ramble. There's, there's plenty of good stuff to ramble about, honestly. Maybe more so than there is actual like legitimate Tigers news. But well, the Tigers did do one thing so far in that they signed free agent left-hander Matt Moore. Um, Matt Moore pitched with the Rangers last year. Um, for a few years, he was out in San Francisco, but his best years all came with the, the Tampa Bay Rays years ago and has kind of been plagued by injury and ineffectiveness in such sense. Um, what Did you have any, you know, I mean, you know, Matt Moore, not terribly exciting, um, were they no. giving, like $2.5 million, I think with a couple of little incentives in there and that was it.
1: No, um, when I was on the SRD podcast last week, I mentioned that I think Matt Moore would be more interesting, no pun intended. Um, if we had a different, uh, coaching staff, I think Matt Moore is a really adaptable pitcher. You can see it because he introduced a cutter after his, uh, his big injury season with the Rays. So you can actually see that he can kind of tweak those pitches and do different things with them. Um, Like I don't think right now that Matt Moore throws a two seamer. So I feel like that might be an an interesting tweak for him. Um, But that said, I don't think that there's a staff that we have right now with the Tigers that are going to do anything like inventive or unique with him to make it an appealing pickup as anything more than a guy who can kind of be your fifth starter and also pull some reps in the bullpen.
0: Yeah. It feels like, you know, um, I don't know. People were kind of comparing this to Francisco Liriano, but I kind of was, was thinking this was more of their Travis wood move. Um, I don't, people probably don't even remember this because he got injured in spring camp and blew out his knee, I believe, Uh, but
1: no, it was, didn't he also like nail, get a, like a, a nail into his finger or a, arrow or so he did something ridiculous wasn't that travis wood too
0: yeah i think there was something like that and then he blew out his knee like trying to try in a rundown between second and third base in spring training <laughs> but Travis, oh, that's right yeah but travis wood was you know a lefty uh, pitched for the cubs for quite a few years and he was a starter but then they eventually started using him kind of the way the tigers used blaine hardy last year which was that he he would start when they needed a starter and then just just transition over to the bullpen and, I, and they seem to really want a guy like that. Um, and I don't know if that's the front office of the coaching staff, but I kind of figured Matt Moore is sort of that type of guy. Like, you don't really want him out there trying to go six or seven innings. Um, if, if Like if you said, if the Tigers were more kind of interesting and, and had the idea of at least one out of five starts kind of using sort of a mixed bullpen day opener, some kind Weesh. of a little bit more creative construct, um, he might be... Yeah, I mean, he might be more useful in in a role like that. Um, I mean, I don't mind picking him up. Um, you know, he's a couple of years past Tommy John surgery, and probably he's not going to get any more of his velocity back, but there's still a chance, um, especially if they use him mostly out of the bullpen, that he can throw a little harder. And he's he is, sort of a rising only, fastball guy. He's only
1: 29, and if you look at his his average over the last seasons he hasn't really lost a lot of velo he's pretty much averaged about a a 92 for the last you know 5 years so i'm not his velo is not bad it's just that there's not much that he's doing with it
0: yeah and he does doesn't really have like a you know an even really an average type breaking ball he's sort of like a fastball cutter guy now who just kind of throws you know he'll mix in like three other pitches just to kind of show them to you but nothing particularly stand out among them which is why he only struck out 7.59 per nine batters this year um in 2017 it was 7.64 those aren't the kind of strikeout totals you really like to see um he's a little wild um he tends to walk somewhere around 3.5 batters per nine which isn't good but I guess I, the one reason I thought he might be effective is that, I mean, his real problem last year is that he gives up too many home runs. Um, it's been getting worse for him the past two years. And pitching in Texas for a guy who's having home run problems is a terrible yeah. idea. So maybe moving him to Detroit, um, you know, he, he does kind of tend to, to stay away from hitters and maybe he can use the, the big part of the ballpark and, and kind of, you know, massage his way to a little bit better numbers this year. But yeah, it's just, it's just kind of a weird signing. Like I don't hate it or anything. But um no, making me
1: mad, but it's not like I'm sitting here going, Al, that is a genius pickup.
0: Yeah, like, congratulations, Al.
1: <laughs> like there's there's nothing about it that makes me go, Oh, that's an under the radar score. Yeah.
0: Like Yeah, it, there just it, isn't that much upside and yeah.
1: It's it, it is basically like adding another Blaine Hardy, but slightly worse.
0: Yeah. And that's, what's kind of weird is that we have, <laughs> we have Blaine Hardy already. You know, we ha- we, he, he was brilliant last year, you know, I mean, having to put up with, you know, pitching, you know, in a whole bunch of different roles. Um, he was great as a starter and then he had like one or two starts where it started to kind of crumble for him. And next thing you know, he's back in the bullpen while, you know, meanwhile, everybody else in the rotation is just flailing away. So I don't know. Blaine Hardy just, just can't get any respect, man. I don't know what it is I bet Blaine Hardy would like to make 2.5 million this year. Yeah. No
1: kidding. I feel like I have I have a Blaine Hardy article just itching to be written right now. Like you, he he seems to be so undervalued by the team, and that I don't know. I I mean I'm a sucker because obviously we all love his wife, and I think that makes us a little biased. Um, but he has he was so good this past year, and like really showed himself as a really utility pitcher, and that's such a rare treat to have. That I don't know. It it bothers me that the Tigers don't. They like briefly recognized how valuable he was, and when he they needed him in that flexible role, and then you know the second he faltered a little, it was like, well, you know, back to the pen with you.
0: Yeah, and they didn't even use him as sort of like their late innings lefty. Um, you know, they they just kind of dumped whatever leftover innings there were on him and used Daniel Stump, who's never done anything you Know really to you know to kind of handle the late innings when they needed a lefty in there, and yeah, I mean, I don't I just don't really get it either, and I don't get why we need two of them. Um, but you know, Blaine Hardy, I mean, if we look at the two guys between him and Matt Moore, Blaine Hardy strikes out a lot more batters, like Blaine Hardy's peripherals look like a legit pitcher, mm-hmm. whereas Matt Moore's you kind of squint and like, well, I could see how maybe this could help him a little bit or that, and could maybe make him useful again, but yeah, it's I don't know, there's not a whole lot of meat on the bone. Now.
1: It's a bit of a head-scratcher. Like, to me, I'd say, like, why not just invest a little bit more time with Hardy and see if you really can, especially with the way we're changing things with that opener role, you know, and he's such a good middle-innings, like, long-relief guy. Like, there's just so much you can get out of him. I don't know why. I don't know. It's not like they've dropped him. He's still going to be here. But um, I feel like they could be utilizing him better and more.
0: Yeah, and I think as far as Matt Moore, it's just like maybe the timing is more odd than anything. You know, if a guy like that is left sitting around in, you know, early February and you snatch him up to, to have him compete for a job in camp, you know, that kind of thing makes sense. Um, signing him now, I was just sort of like, well, okay. I mean, they must really think they, you know, they, they see something there that's that's going to be good. So, okay, you know, take your shot, Tigers, I guess, and uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see how well, Matt Moore works out.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens come spring training, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty inconsequential. Um, Less inconsequential was the Tigers' non-tendering catcher James McCann and relief pitcher Alex Wilson. Um, I don't think, you know, it was no surprise that James McCann was was probably on the outs. Um, We've been talking about it since the middle of summer. Um,
1: Yeah,
0: I think we beat all of the major beats to that one. Yeah, Um, by a good bit, yeah. Yeah,
1: because we've been talking about replacements, we've been talking about... Um, and this isn't just like a, a my, pro- I know a lot of them are my pieces, but it's not just like an Ashley vendetta against James McCann. Um, I, I um, I, and I'm not surprised they non-tendered him. I don't think, I think when I read the quote that I read, and I, I can't remember if it was Anthony Fennec or Lynn Henning who wrote it, that I think it was Lynn, that the general reasoning for the drop was that James McCann was very focused on improving James McCann's numbers. Rather than it being a, a general, how can I help the team? And that doesn't surprise me. Like that vibe, that doesn't that doesn't shock me at all. And it, it seems like a pretty reasonable um, explanation, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, and then you couple that with you know just having. I mean, James McCann's never been a terribly productive hitter. Um, he had maybe one season, I think in in twenty sixteen or seventeen. I'd have to look at his numbers where he actually did kind of. Kind of buy into the launch angle thing a little bit and started swinging for the fences more, which made sense because he just doesn't make that much contact anyway, so he needed to maximize what he had, and you know that, that just all disap- you know just all disappeared this year. I think his WRC plus was something under sixty; it was between fifty and sixty, which is atrocious. And then yeah, I mean you you were kind of on his case all year, um, but as far as like the receiving goes, I mean we've been on his case. You know, for three years, really, that he just—you know—he just isn't that good a defensive catcher back there. Um, the Osmus yeah. regime criti- criticized him publicly. The Garden hire regime criticized him somewhat publicly this year about his work with the pitchers. And you know, you put all well, those I things my together. Was
1: he has other fingers?
0: Yeah, yeah, he has uh, other fingers. My, he can call my favorite. He doesn't have to keep calling
1: for a fastball. He has other fingers.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a pretty classic guardism this year. Yeah, among yeah. many. So, I don't think any of us are going to particularly regret James McCann being gone. Um he was only due to make 3.5 million in arbitration, um which uh, under normal circumstances is pretty reasonable for a backup catcher. Like it's it's a little on the high end but not bad. But um but the way teams are treating it the, these days like that's that's, you know, I mean James McCann is a guy who's probably going to get, you know, a, a either a minor league deal with you know with the hope of a team like keeping him as sort of their third catcher or he's going to get a million dollars to be a backup someplace that has a left-handed starting catcher. I mean, it seems like that's about all there is for him at this point.
1: Yeah. Good luck to him.
0: Yeah. Me too. I, you know, I don't have anything against James McCann. seems like a a decent dude. Um, nice little family, uh, best of luck to you. But you know, we were, I kind of, in our show notes, I kind of like, let's try to think of like some, you know, like what, what were James McCann's best moments and stuff. And, uh, I pretty much drew a drew a blank to be honest. I mean, you know, there was a there was one walk off home run he hit this year. There have been a couple walk offs that you know were kind of fun moments for him. It was fun like the first year when he was gunning down a lot of base runners and being tested. The
1: the thrown out on the bases that first his first major league season where he was like beyond rookie limitations. Wow, I. Spoke English, right? Right, good there.
0: <laughs> right, uh, right, right. Goodly yeah, statements in English. His
1: first, like full season, it was really impressive because he had something like a forty-six percent caught stealing that first year. Yeah, or something. Just it was high. like that. It was real good, um, and that was exciting. You were like, okay, yeah, he's not the best at the bat, but oh man, this is a lot of fun to watch, and it uh, just got less fun to watch.
0: Yeah. Yep, yeah, it did. And I mean, he's 29 now. Um, you know, catchers just don't don't get much better when they're that age. Most players don't. But especially for catchers, you kind of look at like a lot of wear and tear. Yeah, there's just not much left there. So, yeah, best of luck to him. But um, the one that I think actually kind of bumps some of us out is um, the, the release of Alex Wilson, who for four seasons has been just, you know, Despite the fact that his peripheral numbers, his strikeouts and walks have have kind of always kind of lacked a uh, little little shine there, I mean he's gone. I think he's thrown two hundred. What was it? It's I've got the article. He's thrown two hundred and sixty-four and two-thirds innings of uh, with an ERA of three twenty over four Jesus. seasons with the Tigers, which you would think would earn you some interest and some loyalty. Um, and he was only going to be due two point eight million this year. But uh, it just feels like, you know, the Tigers are are you know just not going to keep anybody who costs any money um, and isn't, you know, young enough to to expect them to be either part of the future or at least a trade piece. And we would, just, you know, I, a lot of people were like, well, why didn't they trade him for something? Well, guess what? You know, nobody wants to trade for Alex Wilson, despite the 320 ERA and 264 and two thirds innings, which which tells you a lot about where we're at um, as far as, as the way teams are, are valuing players these days. Um but yeah, it's just kind of a drag. Alex Wilson's been a very solid part of that bullpen. He's been a leader down there, like a legitimate like leader who gets on people, who you know checks in on you know the Tigers' pitching prospects. Guys like Matt Manning and Bo Burrows, I know, have talked to him about things, and he's checked in to see how they're doing in the off season. Um, you know, he's just kind of a committed guy to the you know to the organization and you know, kind of a warrior too. Like we've, you know, we've seen him try to pitch through some crazy things. Um, yeah, he's like
1: broken ankle. He's had all sorts of
0: ridiculous shit happen. Yeah, Fractured his chin, um, at the end of the 2017 season on a comebacker and tried to get back on the mountain pitch. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a crazy man. So it's just kind of a drag. Um, he had grown his beard back, which helped me a lot to, uh, to, to come back in the fold. No offense, Alex, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just it's just kind of a drag. Um, you know, I, I understand they weren't going to pay you know two point eight million for a reliever unless they were great. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just kind of a bummer, and it leaves a bit of a hole there. Whereas, you know, I, I assume that the reason that they they added him to the list of non tender candidates is because they need that spot um, to try to you know either pick up a, a minor league free agent or for the Rule Five draft or just to add you know, one of the myriad cheap free agents that are going to be available eventually. But um, yeah, it's just kind of a bummer. And I do hope he, he finds his way to a team that's a little bit better because he's in his thirties now and probably doesn't have too many good years left. So it'd be cool for him to pitch for a contender. So maybe it'll yeah. work out for the best.
1: I agree. I'm kind of bummed about it. Like I, I really didn't, I, I'm not saying I'm was shocked by it, but at the same time I was like, that one doesn't make a lot of sense. Like non-tendering James McCann, it's like, okay, we have other options you Can also pick up a, a Cheap free agent for a season. There's quite a few catchers on the market right now. Um, But, like, Wilson, I'm like, well, we still need a bullpen. Like, we don't have the just-in-case John Hicks and Grayson Griner situation in the bullpen. You still need guys out there, and he was a reliable arm. And to me, that's not a huge contract. Like, I don't know. I... I get where they're trying to get cheap, but, like, how how cheap are you going to get when you're not signing Alex Wilson for, what, 2.8, did you say?
0: Yeah, I believe that's it, yep.
1: 2.8, but you're going to go out and pick up, you know, Matt Moore for 2 mil. Yeah. Like, how much more benefit is Matt Moore going to give you?
0: Yeah, it's weird. You know, Matt Moore has, has, you know, I could see Matt Moore having a little more upside maybe, but as far as like who they are and what you can expect, Alex Wilson would be expected to outpitch Matt Moore next year without, you know, without a whole lot of trouble, even if um, yeah. even if Moore's a reliever. So yeah, it's, it's just weird. You know, I had him on my list of guys who I thought might get non-tendered along with McCann this summer and everybody kind of shouted me down, but I just, it just feels like anybody who costs more than the league minimum isn't a starting pitcher and doesn't have, you know, either trade value or is young enough to, to expect them to get better. Um, you know, they're just going to lay waste to all those guys. But it's just, it's just baffling a little bit because they've got a whole bunch of guys in the roster who we kind of know aren't valuable to them, aren't particularly useful, and aren't going to get better. I mean, we've got yep. Ryan Carpenter, we've got Mikey Matuk, um, you know, Daniel Stump isn't particularly exciting in any way. Um, they've got enough guys that they could they could have cut some other people loose and kept guys who were a little bit more effective but we'll see in their infinite wisdom they've decided to do this and so hopefully they uh, they find an adequate replacement because uh yeah you know the bullpen has green and, and Jimenez and Hardy and there's a few other interesting guys like verhagen and uh, Victor Alcantara those two guys Coleman's had good years back again, isn't he? yeah they and they did pick up Lewis Coleman again on a minor league deal so he'll be at Toledo there's um, a little bit of insurance he wasn't bad last year.
1: I wasn't like... Yeah. I, I He wasn't like a, a Daniel Schlereth where every time he came onto the field, I wanted to flip my TV over.
0: Yeah, exactly. You wanted to go mad panda and start throwing stuff Bye. off your desk.
1: My, my, my first life of baseball tweeting, so much of it involved screaming at Schlereth and at <laughs> Jim Leland for ever putting him in games.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Can we, can we just do better than that? You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. But yeah, so, uh, you know, I don't know. They're, they're going to have to piece together some more of a bullpen, but um, we'll get, and we'll get into this when we get to talking about kind of the, the non-tendered guys and the free agent market a little bit more. But um, yeah, it just, you know, they need to put together a bullpen. There are going to be a lot of guys available and it's just a question of whether or not they're going to do anything or if they're just going to sit there like lumps and, you know, and kind of wait. Um, we picked up... Yeah, we picked up Bobby Wilson, who some will remember for his brief tenure with the Tigers a few years ago. Um he's 35. He had weeks after that, didn't he? And then yeah, so the, pretty the good. Twins? I think the Twins did have him and then he went somewhere else last year. Um I'm not I'm not real sure, but he's basically a good defensive catcher who can't hit. Um and they're going to stash him probably at AAA along with Cade Civic and um and I assume Jake Rogers will be there all year, um, learning from those guys. So maybe he's a good mentor um, to Jake Rogers to a degree. But it does—it did just kind of scare me when I saw we'd sign Bobby Wilson, because the way you know the way the Tigers are going and the way we're all feeling about it, I was like, oh my God, is it going to be Wilson and Griner? Is that what we're doing next year? Wilson, <laughs> Griner, and Hicks? Nothing would surprise me
1: right oh that would have been so terrible yeah i'm yeah, going to try did. to have a
0: modest amount of faith that because they cut james mccann they actually do intend on signing a legitimate catcher at some point but we'll see
1: he went from detroit to the rangers to the rays oh i missed that one. Oh, oh you're supposed uh, to be all over that I didn't play at all in 2017 and was with the twins last year
0: okay yeah i knew i'd seen him with the twins at some point along the way okay so he's back. Yeah, Lewis Coleman's back. And yeah, Lewis Coleman was, you know, it seemed like when he was at his best, he was pretty useful. So I don't mind having a guy like that, you know, as long as he's got an option, you can just stash him at Toledo and, and use him here and there, especially if he's going good. Um, that's fine. He's pretty inconsequential as well. Um, but another guy who you think, like, you know, I don't want, really want to see him added you know, to the 40-man roster because we just, you know, we've got other guys I'd rather see cut for the 40-man roster. Yeah, Absolutely. And there's going to be plenty of people available um, cheap this offseason. Um, the only other real Tiger news was um, an article Chris McCoskey for the Detroit News wrote today or published today um, about Michael Fulmer and his, his sort of his surgery on his knee, um, the rehab, you know, and the fact that the surgery actually turned out to be a little more com- complicated than they thought it was going to be. Um, there was some, some kind of talk in there about changing his pick mi- pitch mix. Um, did you get happen? I not have a chance to read that at all.
1: No, I got kind of the TLDR in our Slack chat, but that was about the gist of it.
0: Yeah, it sounded like he eventually, um, he, you know, it was supposed to be a meniscus repair on his right knee, um, which which is the knee he's had problems with before. It's his plant yeah. plant knee. Um, but I, I guess they found out in the process that some of the cartilage along the, the interior side of the knee was really worn down, and so he ended up having kind of a kind of a modified, like, microfracture surgery, which Tigers fans will remember from Victor Martinez's microfracture knee surgery, which cost him an entire year. Um, but um, apparently this was a much more minor form of that and just just something they did. To, they scraped the bone, apparently, to get a little bit more oh. blood blood flow into the area to repair the cartilage. And it sounds like he's going to be okay and um, ready in time for spring training. But Michael Fulmer in that article offered some quotes that, you know, just, just turned my stomach thinking about you know, Justin Berlander in 2014 and th- this need to be ready when the season starts. And, yeah. you know, it's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear you needing to be ready by any time until you're ready. You know, be ready. That's
1: exactly. What comes to mind when I think of this, but they're like, Oh, it's not as bad as that other time where it was real bad with that other player. And my brain, <laughs> like this tingling just starts at the back of my head where I'm like, well, what if it is that bad? And both you and him are going, Oh, well, I mean, I think you'll be okay, Mike. Like, I think, you know, we'll just do this minor version of the surgery and you'll be good to go for spring training. And Fulmer was like, yeah, meanwhile, it, it's way worse and they're not handling it the way they should be. And suddenly six months, you know, down the road, we find out that he needs another surgery and his season's shot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, these kind of things w- were more acceptable at least when the Tigers were all in and, you know, trying everything possible to win, um, You know, we talk about like investing, you know, capital in ways other than, you know, in in actual players in terms of like, you know, the minor leagues and coaches and facilities and all those sorts of things. Well, another way the Tigers really kind of drain their tank is by, you know, putting Miguel Cabrera and Justin Berlander out there when they weren't back to, you know, whatever whatever their 100% at the moment was and, and trying to win. And, you know, luckily Justin Verlander figured it out for himself, but you know, Miguel Cabrera has been hurt ever since. I mean, he's been hurt every year since that first serious injury in 2013 and they probably rushed him back in 2014 a little bit. Maybe he didn't need to be back either way. The Tigers have nothing to win next year. So yeah, it just, it just makes no sense not to just give Michael Fulmer all the time possible and hopefully they will. Um, I don't know, Michael Fomer. understandably, you know, players all want goals. So setting yourself a goal of being ready to go to, you know, when pitchers and catchers report is fine. But um, if he's not, you know, like 110%, you know, months before that, to the point that he can do all of his normal workouts, I really, really hope they don't, they just chill out and do not I mean, let him let him kind of decide for himself what he wants to do. Because they have too, too much of a hair. habit
1: right now is months before pitchers and catchers report. Yeah, that's we're, true. We're two months away, pretty much.
0: Yep. And it sounds like he's still not a hundred percent, you know, he's still having th- issues that he's, you know, working on in his rehab. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm not a doctor, um, but it seemed like uh, our managing editor, Rob Rogeki, who is a doctor <laughs> felt similarly about this. So yeah, I feel, I feel comfortable in calling the Tigers <laughs> out on this. Second <laughs> assessment from a real doctor. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I just play a, a real doctor on the site. That's good. It's a very so, convincing thing. Yeah, thank you. The other thing he talked about, um, and, the, and I somewhat smugly tweeted my article that I wrote back in, like, I don't know, August about this. Um, tweeted that out. But basically he was talking about the fact that his sinker has been just getting killed um, since the 2016 season. And that was what I wrote about um, as well, just the fact that, you know, we've seen pitchers like Garrett Cole just finally, like, give up on their sinker entirely, turn to the four-seamer, especially using it at the top of the zone and having great success, and the idea that Michael Fulmer did that in 2016 and hasn't in the years since— um, so hopefully um, the, the fact that Michael Fomer seemed to recognize that that was part of the problem and that they needed to move away from the sinker more, I also thought was promising. Um, yeah. it just made me think, okay, someone's actually looking at the data there and <laughs> figuring out that his sinker is getting murdered and that they should probably go away from it. So hopefully uh, hopefully they've got a tiny plan. Yeah, exactly. it might be a tiny analytical win there. We'll, we'll hope. Um, there, and you know the pitching ninja actually, I think it was either him or our friend Adam tweeted an old, old gif that or gif that uh i I, I never do that i did it but that um the pitching ninja had put out there of michael fulmer's curveball back in 2017 because every once in a while michael fulmer throws this curveball and he gets a ton of spin on it it's a nasty curveball and i and i kind of can't figure out why he doesn't try to use it more but maybe just hasn't you know this just doesn't feel comfortable or that he can control it and throw it consistently but um That would be a welcome development, to see Michael Fulmer throw a nasty curveball on top of everything else. Because the slider just, it doesn't get hit hard, but it just doesn't get enough whiffs, so... Yeah, so there's, there's hope there... For Michael Fulmer, um, still, and it's funny because Michael Fulmer is 25. <laughs> Michael Fulmer has plenty of time That's left, but I, still. yeah, he is. He's still only 25 oh right my now.
1: God, he's a wee baby still.
0: Yeah, a lot of guys aren't even getting into the league at this point, so you know, I feel like sometimes we we look at Michael Fulmer and think like, God, he's failed all these years. You know, all the early promise has faded. Blah blah blah. He's gonna be 26 next year, <laughs> so so there, there's, there's still plenty still of time. time. Yeah, so take to me a part of the Tigers' future. Yeah, I think so too. I think he can be. Um, And I still feel the same way about Boyd and, and Norris. You know, at some point, if someone's willing to overpay for one of the three, hey, great. But if they don't, then you've got three, you know, at least roughly league average pitchers, hopefully. And hopefully one of them or two of them or three of them can do better than that. And then you've got a ton of pitching prospects coming in, and yeah. we should be all set for pitching at that point without having to go throw 140 million dollars at Patrick Corbin, who Ashley hadn't even heard of until today.
1: <laughs> Just tried to out me there. Like I don't know what I, I, you know, when it comes to baseball, that I'm, you know, out of the loop, but. Uh, but- I dare you, any one of you listening, to give me the top five pitchers in the Diamondbacks organization (laughs) when you write about two AL teams. Because I looked him up and I was like, oh, okay. And then, because I'm used to reading baseball, like to be used to reading BREF, when I pulled him up on Fangraphs and I'm not used to the Fangraphs pitching layout. So I'm looking at his numbers, and I'm like, oh, okay, I kind of get why this guy's so valuable. This is pretty exciting stuff. And then I realized I was not looking at his ERA. I was looking at his his uh, walks per nine. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's very different. <laughs> so when you're like, how have I never heard of this guy that's got like a 2.12 and a 2.38 and all these wonderful numbers year after year? no. No, no, Ashley. He's okay. Yeah, he was. He, he was. Gar-
0: yeah, he was garbage for years, and just just recently figured out. So I think you can be forgiven. <laughs> I only know who he was because of fantasy baseball and the fact that every year for like three years he's one of those guys. So be like, oh, maybe this is the year that he figures it out, um, and then he never does. But this year he really did. So yeah, kudos to him because uh, yeah, I had barely paid him the slightest attention either, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, he's just, he's the top free agent on the market and oh, he's signing with the Washington nationals. What the hell?
1: And to be fair to me, I could name at least, I could name at least two of the five starting pitchers for the Diamondbacks, but not Patrick Corbin.
0: Yeah. I know. I mean, I, cranky I and
1: I can give you a Robbie Ray, but that's about it.
0: Yeah. Oh, who else? let's see. Zach Godley. And then I don't know. Taiwan yeah. Walker had Tommy John surgery. I don't even know who else is pitching there, but anyway, <laughs> yeah exactly yes yeah. the diamondbacks are not our study so yeah you know and, and actually the west teams in general I, I find i i just tend to know less about like for some I, I watch a lot of dodgers games late at night um i don't know if i'm going to keep doing that because vince gully is gone but okay. i used to like oh put vince gully on and listen to the dodgers game and you know just have it on be tv or whatever when i go to sleep but uh, ASMR.
1: yeah yeah it kind of is
0: yeah I mean, you know, it's not quite Bob Ross levels, or you know, but all the other weird things I found, like the meditation teacher and writer John Butler from England. Oh, excellent ASMR! So
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that guy puts me to sleep like nobody's business. Buy all of his merchandise. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. So, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, the Tigers haven't really done a whole lot else. There haven't even really been any rumors except for some hilarious, like, fake ones that my buddy Jed on Twitter keeps harassing everyone with, like, that they suddenly decided to sign Bryce Harper. But, um, yeah. So, what we're going to do, we'll turn to listener questions, and then we'll, um, after that, we'll get on into kind of the free agent landscape and just, yeah, what, what the hell is going on? And is anyone going to get signed? Are people going to get paid? Is there going to be a a giant caravan of desperate gypsy veteran baseball players who are pretty good wandering the country yeah wandering the country looking for a job in uh, in February because it seems like we might be headed that way all right so question number 1 comes from Steve Butts on Twitter at steve b5477 and he wants to know, can you verify if Alavila is currently still alive and not the straight man part of a weekend that Bernie-style ruse by the Tigers baseball ops? Have <laughs> we seen Alavila in person anytime recently?
1: No, but I can guarantee you signing Matt Moore is all the evidence we need that Alavila is alive and well.
0: Ooh, dagger. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I don't have to add anything to that. Uh, that's pretty much it. Um yeah yeah i'm not sure how we would tell the difference whether the tigers are dead or alive if they're doing things or not because a lot of the things they're doing are just sort of like mm. well i mean if he's wandering around winter meetings
1: with sunglasses and being flanked by two much larger men i think we'll have our answer but uh i think al is just fine
0: yeah i think so if he you know if he wasn't you know lynn henning would have told me by now right <laughs> Exactly. they have lunch every day yeah um oh peter k Frogtown tigers Mmm. What an what interesting handle. I don't know. He's kind of uh, sounds like a jerk name. Kind of a sketchy looking character too from the picture. Hmm. Have the Baroners have a, had a better rebuild in three days than the Tigers have had in <laughs> one and a half years? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs>
1: um
0: uh, oh. I'm gonna uh, say no. I No you know,
1: I feel like DePoto hasn't gotten a lot of really good return for what he's done, but I also don't think he's done yet.
0: Yeah, he's never done is.
1: No, I feel like he's not going to be happy until he's like managed to trade and then trade back Malik Smith and D Gordon somehow <laughs> like and and somehow like traded Suzuki to another team um and then gets him back as a coach. And then you know doesn't Kettle
0: Marte have to come back at some point in this? I think that's one of some, some
1: sort, of, sort of. There's a genius madness to Jerry Depoto that I have not unpacked yet. Um, I tweeted the other day that I would give my firstborn to be like just hang out with him for a day at the peak of trade season. Like I just I really want to know what goes like it. I have it's not quite Trevor Bauer levels of obsession with what goes <laughs> on in yeah. Jerry Depoto's mind. But, like, it's there. It's pretty close. Like, I'm just like, you're a crazy person, and I just want to know you.
0: I know. I mean, I'm just really curious what he could get for your firstborn because, you know, he'd be, you know, he or she would be traded within five minutes of that transaction taking place.
1: That is that he would be trading on a a player to be born (laughs) later um, (laughs) that will never be born. So it'll really just amount to cash considerations at some point, I'm sure. (laughs) <laughs> yep, yep. Just just a just a salary dump for someone else in the end, no doubt. Since it's me, it, the considerations will just be thoughts. So, I mean, <laughs> just do without that what you will, Jerry.
0: I know, you know, I mean, he's been the most aggressive general manager in the league for a couple years now at trying to build the Mariners into a winner. And so now I'm really curious to see what the most aggressive rebuild in baseball looks like. So we'll just have to see. But, um, yeah, I mean... You know, they got Justice Sheffield, who is a good left-handed um, pitching prospect who from the Yankees um, in the James Paxson deal, and, you know, I, I like Justice Sheffield, but some of the prospect shine on him kind of fell off this year. Um, he didn't really take a step forward with any of his pitches. Um, it's possible he may be about as major league ready as he's going to get, and he's probably like a fourth or fifth starter type, so that wasn't terribly exciting. Um there were a couple of good prospects in the Mets deal um, in which they sent Robbie Cano and the mighty Edwin Diaz to the Mets. Um, and they got back Jared Kalanick, who a lot of us wanted the Tigers to draft instead of Casey Mize this past year. Um, but he's a, he's a, a prep you know, draft pick. He's maybe eight, he's 18 or maybe 19 years old now. He's a long way from the major leagues. Um, and a lot of people do like him and think he has you know pretty good potential to be a solid five tool type player but um but that's several years down the road and while the the Mets have been very weird in the way they've been conducting their their business they appear to have backed away from the idea of trading Noah Syndergaard and so now in general I kind of approve of what they're doing like they seem to be recognizing that they've got like two years maybe with Syndergaard Degrom, um Steven Matz and some of those other guys and they've just decided to push all in Um, and hey good luck good luck god bless
1: It's a very, yeah, I'm not sure what the Mets are doing. Like, it's like, are you trying to win because you have this, like, like Cy Young caliber, not caliber, but winning pitcher. And, you know, now you've got a couple cool pieces. Like, I just, I don't know that adding Cano and keeping your good pieces is enough.
0: Yeah, it feels like they've definitely got more to do there. And, you know, they keep talking about, um, you know, them trying to work out a deal with the Marlins for JT Romuto, who's easily the most sought catcher in the game right now. But it just doesn't feel like they have the prospects to, to make something like that happen. Um, so, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see it there. <laughs> but, hey, good luck. And meanwhile, the Mariners, I don't know, you know, Jerry Depoto might turn around and trade, like, every one of these prospects that he's acquired and Carlos Santana all by the end of the year. I mean, we have no idea. He might complete, this might all be kind of a rope-a-dope where he's like, oh, we're rebuilding. Okay, yeah, we're rebuilding right now. <laughs>
1: so I don't- that's the genius of Jerry DePoro, and that's why I love him so much, because he's made all these bonkers trades, and everyone's kind of scratching their heads, but I, I guarantee you, mentally, he already has 16 more trades worked out, and he knows an end game that none of us can even imagine yet.
0: Yeah, can you can you imagine like the float the decision making flowchart he must have? Like if there this if so this move works out, then so everything... many whiteboards,
1: whiteboards and, and magnets, magnets in Jerry Depoto's <laughs> office. Yep. I just I just picture it just being wall to wall
0: whiteboards. Yep, his poor golfer has you know bought out the local Staples in all kinds of like thumbtacks and yep. you know yeah, those, tape and Post-it like notes.
1: And things like the right-on magnet things, and he's just got like red string connecting everything together because he's a madman.
0: Yep, he's basically got like some kind of acne-like cat trap basically set up in his yeah, yeah. <laughs> in his office with with the World Series as the mouse, and he's just like building this gigantic Rube Goldberg <laughs> Goldberg machine to try to take it down so good i love it so
1: much jerry depoto you're a crazy person
0: yeah god can bless we, you we, sorry, thanks for because, lookout on behalf of lookout landing uh, I, I thank jerry depoto for giving them so much content to write about <laughs> while we suffer well while we're talking briefly about jerry depoto can we when i mentioned trevor bauer
1: can we just briefly talk about mike clevenger and trevor bauer's oh, frenemy yeah.
0: status yeah those two are kind of a like a mr metz and noah Syndergaard type type kind of Twitter war going on. Tell
1: if they actually hate each other because it it strikes me as being a genuine possibility just because one of them is Trevor Bauer. Because, like... (laughs) Trevor Bauer posted a thing on Twitter on the 1st, I think, that was like, I go to the gym all the time. Here is a spreadsheet of all of the workouts I do. And it's just like time in, time out. (laughs) 17 minimized columns that I would pay so much to find out what was on them. And then then Mike Clevenger replies, yeah, I can put numbers in a spreadsheet too. (laughs) And Trevor Bauer, with no finesse for what the phrasing means, says... You can spread these nuts on your face, and then <laughs> then then later, Bauer announces he's cut his finger again on a drone. And today, the Indians account on Twitter posted a picture of Trevor Bauer and it was like, "All right, you guys with your graphic design, design your best Trevor Bauer poster or whatever with the picture." <laughs> and Clevenger drew a, a finger chopper nine thousand drone over top of his head and like spurts of blood coming out from Bauer no. and, and said, so did, he did I win?
0: win. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, he, like, and yes, he did.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, my God, this is the best thing to ever happen to me. Like truly, I said this last year, if the Indians transplanted every single player on that team to any other team, they would suddenly be one of my favorite teams. <laughs> I just I can't like the Indians, but man alive, are they just fun?
0: Yeah, they are a fascinating, fascinating group. I mean, you got Lindor and Ramirez, who we all like. I really like Clevenger. Then you got the you know the robots, Kluber and, and Bauer. <laughs> I mean. Shane Bieber looks like he might be, you know, might be the better Bieber between him and Justin by the time it's all said <laughs> and done. There's just a lot going on there. Yeah, it's, it's wild times. And yeah, Trevor Bauer, like, you just don't know. You can't tell if he even kind of gets that Clevenger is just trying to get his goat or if he actually thinks he's being called out because he responds with you know, the same blank face seriousness to almost anything. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Oh, God,
1: I live for it. It's it's the greatest part of my off season.
0: Um, Let's see. Ah, see, this is all staff. Jay Markle, I don't want your questions. You're supposed to be the one who figures out which non-tendered free agent interests me the most. <laughs> You're supposed to tell me these things. Um, I don't really have, honestly, like, a huge interest in the Rule 5 draft. Um, generally, I think, you know... It's very rare that anybody comes out of the Rule Five Draft sticks with their team and becomes good, but if there's one guy I am interested um, in, it's the shortstop Richie Martin, who I don't know if he'll fall to the Tigers with the sixth pick in the Rule Five Draft. Uh, he might not, but he's a pretty good defensive shortstop with a lot of power potential, but um, but still needs to work on his hit tool. And he just and he's got the size of like a third baseman. I mean, he he's a big boy. He looks like he's going to crack. Um, so. I don't know. That's a guy who, if if the Tigers could get a hold of him, I could see them picking him up and thinking, like, okay, we'll work him out and see how it goes. But I think for most of us, we would hate the idea that the Tigers would just throw someone in at shortstop like that to to keep them the way they did for Victor Reyes um, all last season. Um, If Richie Martin can play good defense, you know, maybe it's worth a shot to see if you can land a guy who's, you know, possibly going to blossom into a, a legit big league hitter, but um, but yeah, that's about it. There's a couple pitchers who are interesting, but I, I, I'm i just really... I didn't really see a whole lot that interests me, and usually that's that's why those guys are in the Rule 5.
1: Yeah. No, I, I fall asleep every time that gets mentioned.
0: Um, which Tiger... Okay, Field Diamond, our buddy... Which Tiger's prospects are likely to see some big league action next year? And... Okay, that's basically the gist of the question. Um... I think you're probably gonna see quite a few. I mean Kristen Stewart is probably probably just a lock to start in left field, I would assume. Yeah, um, I think we'll see
1: him. I think Rogers will probably be a September call up.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and then probably and maybe Daz, I could see Daz getting a September call up. Um and probably Willie Castro as well. You might see a lot of sort of the, the better Tigers prospects finally kinda of, their position prospects kind of debut late in the year. Um, which would be fun. That would, that, mm-hmm. would be, that would be a lot better September than we've had the last two years uh, to see some of those guys show up. Um, it's possible Isaac Paredes, too. I mean, um, that's the best-hitting prospect in the Tiger system, and even though he's only 19, he's already kind of wrecked shop at AA. Um, he's killing it in the Mexican League at the moment as we speak, and it wouldn't surprise me to see him jump to AAA sometime in, like, June next year and just, just mash, in which case, you know, you don't want to ruin his service time clock um as gross as all that is uh the, you know but the tigers could call him up late in the year as well and and then just kind of sit him on the bench in 2020 for a few months and make sure that they squeeze an extra year out of him because you know like all mlb teams they're sadly broken living on a very tight budget <laughs>
1: yeah there's no money in the coffers friends
0: yeah you know, um as far as pitchers i mean you're going to see a lot um you know you'll see i think you'll see spencer turnbull um probably get some starts and maybe even move into the bullpen in a relief role um, for part of the year. You will probably see the reliever Zach Houston in a role like that. You might even see Bo Burrows by the year-end. Um, I don't think you're going to see Casey Mize, but Casey Mize could probably start at, at AAA um, to, to begin the year, and you just never know um, if he pitches well as possible. So you're going to see some of those guys. You, you might see Kyle Funkhauser. Um, there's there's some pretty good pitching prospects not our best guys, but um, but some of the guys who are 50 or 45 future value types um, per fangraphs methodology. Um, you might see some of those guys. Um, oh, Peter came back with a question about the best way to drink eggnog is blank. I'm going to say uh, not at all. I'll leave that to you. <gasps> <laughs> I'm not a fan.
1: Holiday sacrilegious weirdo.
0: Yes, all those weirdo things describe most like of my things. religious.
1: Look, mm, uh, <laughs> I like eggnog a lot. Uh, somebody just suggested to me recently mixing it with a pumpkin spice whiskey, um, which to me sounds eight plus plus, and I just happen to have pumpkin spice whiskey kicking around because I'm a weirdo and I collect different flavors of whiskey because I like to shake up my old fashioned game. Um, but yeah, speaking of which, do you guys have Wiser's in the States?
0: Wiser's whiskey, special blend. Oh, I don't... Well, maybe we do somewhere, but no, I don't it, think so. It's a
1: Canadian whiskey and it's pretty good. It's like a beginner kind of whiskey. It's it's good. Is it like anyway, Canadian club level? No, 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 I mean it's a different company. It's a Canadian brand, so, so. Okay. Uh, and Canadians make good whiskey. Just just saying. I'm <laughs> not <laughs> Americans, y'all got your great bourbon. Like we're not gonna like fight about this. Good booze comes from everywhere. But Canadians do make good whiskey. Anyway, Wisers has just come out with like a bottled old fashioned So, like, it's a whiskey bottle, but it's already got, I guess, the, like, bitters and simple syrup mixed in.
0: Oh, yeah, pre-mixed, ready to go.
1: All you do is pour it over ice and add a garnish. I'm curious to try it, because I'm a bit of an old-fashioned snob, and um i'm i saw a bottle of it and i'm like what is this witchcraft
0: yeah i do like an old-fashioned but i'm all i'm always suspicious when the ingredients are all put together in a convenient way like, conven- right, like convenient scares me yeah
1: like is a mixed drink in a bottle ever going to be quite as good as one i can mix myself where i like maybe a little bit of extra bitters or maybe i like a little bit of sparkling something in there sometimes you know like <laughs> yeah, i'm, yeah. A, crazy I'm a crazy person, person but, but I mean...
0: Yeah, and sometimes when all those ingredients are too, are together for too long, they sort of lose their edge. Yeah, um, yeah well, like one of my favorite tropical drinks is a painkiller, which has like, it's like, you know, two kinds of rum, light and dark. You've got um, pineapple juice, you've got coconut cream, you've got a little bit of nutmeg, or you can use cinnamon that you put in the top, and I've had that, and it's great. But then, when you buy, I've seen places that actually sell like the whole thing kind of together, and it just looked gross. I was just like, "Nah, it's all creamy, and it's all it's all sitting in there too long. It's best to have like everything kind of separated, and then just throw it together really quick on ice and drink it."
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. There's some I'm advice curious. for you, young fellows, young <laughs> <Gee, laughs> girls out there. Um. Ah, somebody else asked about Seattle. We don't care about Seattle, okay, Craig? I don't even, I don't want to talk about it's, their rebuild anymore, of those jerks. It, it might be my fault, because
1: I think my pinned tweet is related to the Mariners. <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty sure I've duped a lot of people into following me, thinking I am, like, strictly a Mariners fan.
0: Nope, these are yeah. devoted Tiger fans, actually, still, who just do not have any Tigers questions, because we've, we're all not. mentally broken.
1: <laughs> I am real sad about Gene Segura, though.
0: Yeah. 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 Gene Segura is a good player. You know, another thing about Seattle, since people keep bringing it up, I didn't want to talk about Seattle. Uh, Uh There's kind of a lot of, you know, kind of tension over there. You know, it seemed like John Segura and D Gordon kind of hate each other. Yeah, I heard somewhere that that was kind of the impetus for the Segura
1: trade. And my immediate reaction was like, no. And then I'm like, wait, why did we trade Prince Fielder? Like, they can tell me anything they want about that unofficial documentation, but it was because of the stuff he said after the 2013 ALCS, and no one will convince me otherwise.
0: Yeah, I think that probably had a lot to do with it. Although, I guess the other answer to the question of why did they trade Prince Fielder is because they could. <laughs> because there was well, one yeah, team out you, there ready to give us a good player and be suckered <laughs> into paying that goddamn contract. Yeah.
1: you find it out and it involves getting Ian Kinsler in return, you take it.
0: Yep. I still see people out there like, you know, we, we dog Al Avila, but you know, I mean, John, John Daniels, dude, like what, what was wrong with you? Like, what were you thinking? I could say that to John Daniels about numerous, numerous deals.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Side note, since we're talking about the Rangers, I'm so sorry about your timestamps. Uh, the, the, um, this is
0: all under the listener question rubric. So we're fine.
1: The Adrian Beltre <laughs> uh, press conference, retirement press conference.
0: Oh yes. I didn't get to see yeah. that, but there were some great quotes
1: so delightful he just like cracked jokes the entire time I did not realize Beltray had such a good sense of humor because he's always so like scary looking on the field um but he was like making fun of Andrus he was you know poking fun at the reporters he was like he there was a reporter there from Korea and she asked him like how he would respond to fans that were sad he was retiring because they wanted him to keep playing and and he he jokes. I don't even think he was joking. He's like, well, "You want me to respond in Korean?" And she's like, "No, no, no! Like, oh god, you don't have to do that." And he's like, "Oh." And then later on, he's like, "I knew there was going to be a reporter from Korea here, so practice my Korean." And then she wouldn't let me use it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, I love, I love you, you so much!"
0: Oh uh, yeah, you know the thing about him is he had like he had kind of a stern stern face, and that was sort of part of his part of the game and part of the playfulness with him is to be like. The serious, angry one while everyone was trying to touch his head. But oh my God, God Adrian Beltray, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, I oh, love that. He, dude. he
1: was so good and like, I, I like first ballot Hall of Famer 100%. Yeah, yeah no and, doubt. Man, it was just, it was so fun to watch that press conference. Like, the, it sets a bar for retirement press conference because <laughs> you know, we kind of thought, you know, it'd be kind of emotional. We've come here with a lot of these before, and he's like, well, you guys want me to like get, get, you know, foggy-eyed here. Like, I'm not going to cry. I've made a right decision.
0: I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> He's like oh. I, have, I have tens of millions of dollars and I'm still in great shape and could actually still <laughs> yeah. play if I wanted to. He was real
1: honest about it. He's just like, I want to spend more time with my kids and I want to see them grow up. And I'm like, bad respect, man. You've earned your money. Now go sit at home and drive your wife.
0: <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Yeah, please find a hobby. Quickly, Adrian Belter. Um, yeah. yeah, I He's like insisted how he, he will not, not coach. He does oh, really? not
1: have the patience for it, he says.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I could see I that. Believe. Yeah. yeah, he kind of punked uh, John Daniels as well by, you know, when, when he went to announce the fact that he was going to retire to, to <laughs> his GM. He told him, listen, you know, I've decided I'm going to play again next year. You know, I'm going to give it one more year. And the Dodgers offered me, you know, $8 million and I took it. <laughs> and John Daniels is standing there staring at him with his jaw dropped, all like blank face, not knowing what to think. Before Beltrade kind of let him in on the joke and, and just kind of started laughing. So, yeah, having fun till the end. Yeah, it was just a classic dude. Um, and yeah, you know, it does sound like it set the standard for press conferences being fun to watch. Um, unfortunately, apparently Ian Kinsler was, was still just very sleepy and with. Was- <laughs> I know. I said I. I'm, I feel bad
1: for that. But he like he was sitting in the front the front row, and he was the well, most well dressed person there. The only person I think wearing an ironed button down. <laughs> and he, honest to God, looked like he had fallen asleep in the front row. I know he was like looking at something on the floor or lower down. But from the way they shot it, it a hundred percent looked like he had fallen asleep. Oh wow! Yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah, you know, I still still track Ian, in. So yeah, I've been kind of uh, kind of seeing they've been doing a lot of worst deck promotion. Um, Daniel Mor- Norris was in a, a photo shoot with Kinsler, and uh, I can't even remember who else it was, but there were a couple other players. So yeah, it seems like they they've been, been, flying been flying around and Tally doing Lupton that. Is in there,
1: um, Alex Avila, Nick Castellanos... Uh there's a couple guys that are War Stick guys now like they're they're definitely building their brand.
0: Yeah, I want to say he converted a couple of Red Sox guys last year. Obviously, uh Upton and him are are really really close friends and played with the Angels together. So, yeah, it does seem like it's going pretty well over there. And that's cool. Um, the Tigers themselves are just all in, you know, workout mode on like Instagram and everything. Like everything you see is, you know, Joe Jimenez and Daniel Norris and Shane Green posting motivational messages and little workout clips. And Maggie's posting workout clips left and right in between coaching his kids and doing all that. It's been nice to see how much how many uh, kid videos Miguel has posted this this offseason. You know, like he, he needed to just like get his family life right, spend good time with the kids, get healthy. And it uh, seems like he's doing those things. So here's hoping. And, and Daniel Norris bought a bike off the internet for $50. Oh, that's right. Yep. Scored off Craigslist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Daniel Norris has had quite an off season already. Like he went and pitched in the Dominican and then he went to Japan and pitched and then he went back to California and had like some kind of surf vacation and then was doing all those photo shoots. Yeah. He's been getting around on um, the last couple of things I've seen though. He is at that um, performance. Um, what is it? Perfect performance. I don't know. It's called P- peak performance. P3 um i think it's in atlanta is the one he's going to so yeah he's he's down there doing all kinds of work on his groin to uh good. to do this the lower half strengthening and and hopefully get his act together for next year so that's fingers a, crossed. yeah that's a good sign um, all right, so I think we've we've wrapped all the listener questions there, and what we're going to get into now is, um, yeah, I was joking, it was like the night of Sicilian Vespers, but for non-tender candidates last Friday, because a record 39 guys who were on, you know, team's 40-man rosters were non-tendered contracts and released, um, which I believe was almost double the amount that there were the year before. And it was weird. It was weird seeing some of the guys... It was weird. Like, it was
1: guys like Billy Hamilton, who I know is not great offensively, but is, like, real good defensively. So, that was a weird one.
0: Um from the Miami Marlins, yeah. who's who was in the Home Run Derby, I think, like, two years ago. Power hitting um, first baseman for the Marlins, and he ended up there. Uh, who else? We got... We had Matt Shoemaker, um, who's who's kind of battled a lot of injury issues over the years, but has been whenever he's healthy a really good starter for the Angels. Uh, Matt Bush, who I think has like the highest spin rate fastball and curveball in the game, um, who was famously like taken I think before Justin Verlander in the 2004 draft, and then had like a. Um, I, he killed someone, I believe, in a car accident when he was drunk and was out of the game, and went through all this, and then finally made oh, this kind it sounds of sounds like he played for the Rays. And yeah, maybe he did, but no, it was like a you know he made this triumphant comeback and uh, and was really good for one year, and just has this these ludicrous like measures, you know, the measurables that they talk about in football. Um, in baseball, like spin rate, velocity, all that stuff. Um, he's an absolute standout candidate in that regard. And it was just uh, it was it was kind of odd to see the Rangers let him go. Blake Parker, um, another good reliever for the Angels. Um, there was there was just a ton of guys that that got cut loose.
1: Yeah, it's a it's, it was a really weird list. I feel like somewhere Tony Clark is being like they're testing me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like he's drafting emails left, right, and center, going, "Wow, it's a new wave of like." undervaluing players and this is because bill james wrote that thing about how everyone is replaceable and
0: (laughs) yep (laughs) oh oh bill james
1: he's like dropping mookie bets like yeah okay matt bush has been dropped but
0: (laughs) yep i mean yeah man wilmer flores um who's you know i mean none of these are, are you know super notable players but they're at least guys you've heard of and we're you know, useful at various times and weren't going to cost hardly any money. Uh, Mike Fires, the Oakland A's, yeah, cut Mike Fires, loose after trading for
1: Patrick and I were discussing this, and I'm like, I'm not mad if they decide to bring him back for a year.
0: I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, we could probably write about that shortly. I wrote about Matt Shoemaker, and I would love for the Tigers to pick Matt Shoemaker up because the only thing that's ever held him back is injuries. And he seemed, he had like a, he had a, ulnar nerve transposition surgery or to relieve some pressure on his on the nerve in 2017 and it didn't quite take and they couldn't figure out why and so he had to end up having surgery again this year and they fixed it and then they found that they'd missed a tendon um, in his forearm that was split and they fixed and they fixed that and then he came back and he was pretty good and had his velocity and everything so you kind of think maybe you know the last two years have been a little bit fluky and they just kind of screwed up the you know the the arm injury, um, which the Los Angeles Angels have a long long history of doing weird things with arm injuries. Um, so he's yeah. he's a guy I like because even if he's hurt, yeah, whatever. If he's good yeah. when he's healthy and then misses a bunch of time, he's like Jordan Zimmerman but way cheaper. <laughs> so that would that would work for me. Our old buddy. Um, speaking of Prince Fielder, um, Aviario Garcia was non-tendered, and maybe the most interesting for us is Jonathan Scope, um, who the Brewers cut loose, who was a pretty darn good second baseman, pretty good hitting second baseman, especially um, for a couple years with the Orioles. Um, Average defender. Um, I believe Rob brought him up, so he's on the site. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of usable players out there.
1: Yeah, and it's a lot of guys that I would be totally fine with the Tigers taking a chance on at this point, because why not?
0: Yeah, we have the space for it, and we have, you know at least four or five guys who are just never going to do anything on the roster. And even though they don't cost much, like, you know, like we were talking, like Ryan Carpenter, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather try one of these non-tendered guys and see if they can kind of get, get their mojo back because most of these are guys who just didn't have a good year and the team doesn't want to pay them, you know, whatever it is, three or four million dollars in arbitration, some some minor amount for the most part. Um, Mike Fires was going to be a little bit more expensive, so I understand Oakland maybe cutting ties there and maybe they'll just end up re-signing him. That that also might happen with some of these guys is that the team just didn't want to pay them what they were going to make. And so they'll try to sign them for a million dollars less because, you know.
1: Yeah. Bums me out for the players.
0: Yeah. I know it's, it's just kind of shady and it, it really feels like the the owners are leaning into this like, OK, we're going to be as absolutely cheap as possible with everybody except the, the super top caliber players. Yeah. And they're liable to pay for this. And we all are liable to pay for this in twenty twenty one. It feels like uh, when they go to negotiate a new collective bargaining agreement. Oh, yeah, man, man, free agents just are not making anything like what they used to make and they're not getting signed i mean like all these guys we're talking about and plenty of pretty good free agents on top of that are all going to be sitting there most likely at the end of january you know sitting there waiting for alavila to you know see his shadow or wake you know in his, (laughs) his snow cave from his slumber and stagger outside and realize that like oh he's he's still got you know a pocket full of $20 $20 million or $15 million, he could pick up like four or five actually talented players and probably turn the Tigers into an almost 500 team if he decides to do such a thing.
1: Oh, but the commenters on on Twitter wouldn't like that, Brandon, because how do you become a championship team in the future if you try to win now? I Don't know, you, you know?
0: know. Yeah, you either you tank... As
1: bad as possible. Yep, yeah, Tank, tank,
0: tank, tank. Yep. And, you know... Whatever guys, there's no evidence of that. So you know, it is one of those things where it's like the the league has just done such a great job over the past few years, you know, selling us, you know, and selling the, the fan in general that, you know, it doesn't make any sense to spend any money and that you should go through these cycles where you try to win and then you're just literally awful and spend no money.
1: What yeah what kills me about that idea is that the Tigers could barely spend money and still be a significantly better team than they were last year. Yep. Yeah, it just wouldn't really take that much.
0: Um, you know, they're, they're, if you look through shortstop, second base, catcher, the three positions on the field that they really need a starting pitcher and a reliever, you can probably fill all that with, you know, non-tender candidates. You know, you could pick up Tim Beckham at short, Jonathan Scope at second, um, maybe so signing re-
1: rebuilding the Orioles. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Take them. The,
1: I'm all for Weeders, so we're just yeah, really. Yeah, or Maldonado. Maldonado. 14 Orioles. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, and then you just pick up, you know, Matt Shoemaker, Matt Bush, and you know maybe Mike Fires, and you've got a way better team than than you do. And the, you know, if that team help happens to get boosted by some of the young guys at Toledo, actually, like you know taking a step and being good, you just never know what might happen. Um, you know, I, and I, you know, I think that the, even in, in that scenario, like the absolute best is probably if they they squeeze in somewhere around five hundred, but. um there there just isn't that much benefit to tanking. And, um, you know, it's just too bad that people have have kind of been convinced that there is. You know, the first-round pick is nice to have and the extra bonus money. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, even first-round picks are like 50-50 shots to even be an average major league player. Um, You know, it's just not like other drafts. And if anybody out there is like a big football fan or you know into the drafts and other sports baseball just has nothing to do with it you know with those things it's much more like hockey um in that you've got to have like this huge diverse set of players um at all positions who are good and young just to get you know like a couple just to get a few who actually work out um so yeah i don't know it does feel like a lot of people are being sold a bill of goods out there
1: yeah i mean if it's out you if that's what you have to tell yourself to like be okay with the team losing? Then I guess that's what you tell yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it just feels like you know it's you know trying to like justify something you can't control,
1: yeah, rather than I, just
0: you know I, I nobody wants to ma- watch
1: winning games.
0: <laughs> yep, exactly. I mean, you know, nobody wants to go around being mad all the time, but um, you don't have to be mad. It's just a fact of you know the Tigers could be doing a lot more, and unless they do we're going to yell at them on the site. Like, that's just going to keep happening. So <laughs> if you're one of those people who keeps getting mad at us because we're talking crap about the Tigers and giving them uh, grief for their cheap skate ways, well, I got news for you. It's it's not going to get any better for you. And it's not going to get much better for the Tigers either, probably. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, man, it's just crazy seeing those non-tender names out there. And then today, <clears throat> you know, Patrick Corbin was signed by the Washington Nationals who kind of swooped in out of nowhere Got him for six years, 140 million dollars, and really that's kind of the only notable free agent signing there's been so far. Or there've been a few, few guys, couple a couple catchers, yeah, like a few nothing, small things. Nothing exciting. Yep. Meanwhile, we've already talked about you know two major trades. Um, the Phillies are still trying to you know make a trade for someone. Um, the Mets have made big trades. And the Yankees picked up James Paxton. And meanwhile, you know, we were all kind of looking at this this offseason thinking like, well, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of good free agents out there. You know, you've still got Bryce and you've got Manny Machado and you had Corbin, you've got Nathan Eobaldi. There's, you know, there's quite a lot of guys. Dallas Keuchel, Charlie Morton. Um, and none of these guys are getting the faintest sniff. And, you know, that's to some degree to be expected because we're not even to the winter meetings yet. But, you know, even like two or three years ago, there would have been way, way more activity than there has been so far. So it's, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's like, scary. Is, <laughs> it's unnerving. one
1: of the classes that we've been talking about, like the free agent classes we've been talking about probably for three or four years. Like at the peak of Bryce Harper pandemonium, everyone's like, Oh, just wait until he's a free agent. And Bryce Harper is gonna get paid. But like, it's really weird to see how it's, it's acting in that same slow way that last season was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We told ourselves last, last off season that, you know, there's a lot of teams that don't want to spend because they're saving for Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Exactly. (laughs) And here we are again. Meanwhile, I think it was two years ago that by this point there would already been like four or five guys like, you know, who'd signed for a combined $200 million. That was like Jordan Zimmerman, and, you know, uh, oh god, what's his name? Um, former, the, uh, the guy from Notre Dame. Oh, Jeff Samarja. Jeff Samarjo, like Yi e. Chen, Mike Leak. Like dudes like that were getting $100 million deals. Not Y.E. Chen, but a lot of these other guys were. And um, we, we've just reached a point where, you know, and those deals were going down in like, you know, November and early December. And we've just reached a point where it feels like all these teams are going to make trades, like all these contending teams are just going to keep making making trades until they can't anymore. And then finally, in the end, turn to spending in free agency.
1: Yeah, it's a weird, it's a
0: weird new world we're in. Yep, and you know, I mean, and there's just no, there's just no reason for it. Um, you know, profits are up. The Major League Baseball announced, I believe it was a week ago or maybe two weeks ago, but a whole new extension with Fox for some of their their national broadcasts. That was like, you know, I think it went from a four billion dollar deal to a five billion dollar deal over a shorter term on the mm-hmm. extension. I mean, it's that money is all there. I mean, there's there's no reason for them not to be spending, and they're not giving it to the minor league players.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say they I, they did, although, but don't you a
0: little know? bit? They did a there little a
1: raise that will amount to, I think, like an extra three hundred dollars a year.
0: Yeah, for minor
1: league players.
0: It was like a two, one or two percent raise, and they haven't had one in quite a while. And then at the same time, you know, obviously, like they're not lowering ticket prices. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, just in general, I mean, we're we're heading down a bad road here, where the, the the share that the players get of revenue is collapsing, and for a long time it was held at about fifty percent when Don, the former um, MLBPA, um union head, was Don Fair, who was around all the way from like the strike back in the '90s all the way until I think like two thousand maybe eight or nine, somewhere in there, like all that time. He just, he would never allow a salary cap of any sort and kept that, that same kind of ratio where it was like a 50, 50 split. And yeah, the players are are rapidly approaching 45 and it might, and it might go lower than that. And while we're not terribly concerned about the major league players and how much they're making um, it just, it just shows the the kind of kind of rampant greed that's going on um, among a lot of teams and just, Kind of that betrayal of, like, the former, you know, kind of compact between fan and team where, like, you know, the team is going to try to win and the owner's going to spend enough to at least give them a chance and not just sell you a bill of goods that, oh, well, just come down to the ballpark and drop your $100 a person and sit here and watch this crap for us. Um, And, yeah, that compact just feels like it's in, in serious jeopardy right now. So. I don't know. It's, it's ugly. And yeah, you know, I just, uh, I'm just, I'm dreading the collective bargaining agreement negotiations in 2021. Cause well, especially
1: I think the MLBK signed Tony Clark to a four year extension.
0: Yeah, they did for some reason, which tells me they want to keep him around for the next CBA. And maybe they think he learned his lesson last time when he kind of got out foxed and gave away the house a little bit and only got like, you know, chefs and <laughs> and, yeah. and stuff. In return, they wanted chefs on in you know clubhouses and planes to help you know with player nutrition and stuff. Like they got that, they got all these weird kind of minor oh, quality of life they concessions. Some shoes, Brandon. I know. And, yeah, they had to it's negotiate. A big win. Yep, yeah, to get they one came. weekend is that what it no, was? No, no, no.
1: It's like full time now. Every oh, player it can wear as long as it represents one of the the colors of the team's jersey. Um. And it can be a solid or a combination of the two or it can be, I think, black or something along those lines. So oh, that's it's just black. sad.
0: That's just sneaky because, you know, that's the kind of thing that, like, unfortunately, young guys who already have, you know, a decent amount of money and don't realize how they're about to get took are like, oh, well, good. You know, that's that's like a nice thing. I can finally wear these shoes because, of course, it's super annoying that the league has these kind of restrictions in the in the first place, let alone yeah. the way the Yankees go about things. I don't blame you for not wanting to go there, Patrick Corbin. Make you shave your head.
1: thought he was a big Yankee fan.
0: Yeah, he grew up a Yankee fan, which is why a lot of people thought it was it was going to end up that way, but man, those those Nationals are well, sneaky. And this also just means, I I assume, I don't know, maybe they can still sign Bryce Harper, but it pretty much feels like he's gone from the Nationals, doesn't it?
1: I would assume so. I think if you're putting a contract that big out there, I think they made their offer to him, and he said no. Um, I still think the Phillies are in on something big. Like, they... They, according to Bob, Bob Nightingale, Nightingale. <laughs> uh, were you know number one for Patrick Corbin. Yeah, and didn't he say? So, so.
0: Didn't he tweet today that they would he, beat any offer that they would he, not be beat on Patrick Corbin? Yeah.
1: He literally was still tweeting about how the Phillies were going to take Corbin, uh, while other teams were confirming the Nationals had made the the winning bid.
0: Never change, Bob Nightingale. You're so, special.
1: but. I, I know the Phillies have basically already said that they're not only willing to spend, they're willing to spend stupidly.
0: Yeah. The um, owner. The owner said this.
1: So bless their hearts. Um, I think that one of the big ones is gonna go there.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's how I go about shopping. I just walk into a store and, you know, make just a loud announcement. Go. I'm oh, going Yeah, I'm going to spend right. stupidly here. Just just that's how I enter every negotiation. <laughs>
1: You're like Julia Roberts on her spending spree in Pretty Woman.
0: Oh, I love... Just
1: picking up non-tendered candidates everywhere.
0: Yeah, what about and then this?
1: Cir- circling back around to the nationals and saying, how do you like me
0: now? Tearing down those snooty shop clerks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I mean they really wanted Patrick Corbin and they didn't get him, so that would lead one to suspect that they're about to get crazy. Like pretty shortly. Like they're they're not gonna wanna see like, you know, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado both go somewhere else and then Nathan Ivaldi sign somewhere and next thing you know they're I think
1: the Yankees are sniffing in on Ivaldi, so that'll be interesting. They're talking Sonny Gray is getting some interest from the Padres.
0: Yeah, and the Padres have Continued to kind of be like a weird sort of side <laughs> side player in a lot of these things, like trying to negotiate with uh, Jerry Depoto out with the Mariners. I mean, they he was trying to get Segura supposedly at some point. So yeah, there's been some kind of and and seems to want to trade Will Myers. So yeah, <laughs> they're in that weird place where that like the Braves were last year, where it's like, oh yeah, the farm system's really good, and you're about to call up a co- bunch of talented players, but you know, should you go? crazy and signed an Eric Hosmer last year? Probably not. <laughs> so, Regrets. Yep. Yeah, yeah, AJ Preller, you know, I don't know. He's, he's a wild card. Seems like nobody can build uh, a farm system any better than he can, but also no one can screw it up from that point as well as he can either. And those are two pretty different skills, it seems like, being able to uh, turn it into a winner. If I was uh, the owner of the San Diego Padres, I would be trading um, AJ Preller for Dave Dombrowski immediately. Yes. That would be the deal I'd be trying to make get me Dave Dabrowski to trade all these guys away to get me a team that can actually win.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, hey, you've got all the chips, just put them in the pot.
0: Yep. It's all there. Yeah. And you know, we're going to end up writing about the, the non tender thing in particular, because I know uh, quite a few of us were kind of looking at this, like, you know, if the Tigers spent 20, $25 million, you could probably get a 500 team out of this, out of this pack of free agents and non tendered guys. Um, and I believe Pat, our esteemed Patrick O'Kennedy is working on that, probably angrily, because Patrick, I know, is super, is probably pissed more than any of us at Chris Illich at this point <laughs> for, for his complete unwillingness to take advantage of all these bargains that are just laying around everywhere. So Yeah, yeah. it's going to be
1: interesting after that. I'm, I'm curious to see what, if anything, Al does at winter meetings.
0: Yeah, I'm. you know, it just, it feels like it's going to be pretty quiet, doesn't
1: it? If, yeah, the if anything is a pretty big emphasis, because the, the last couple years it's been real quiet for the Tigers at the winter meetings.
0: Yeah and you know you still see, you know, that all these teams, you know, they 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 don't want to sign veterans for any money and they're all trying to trade. And it just makes me think, you know, the Tigers probably could be could be trading prospects and actually acquiring, you know, pretty good talent. And The thing about building up a farm system like they have is that the Tigers don't have as many of the the really high-end prospects. There's no Vladimir Guerrero Jr., there's no like Nick Sensel, there's no like 60 future value type guys out there. Maybe Casey Mize, Um, and you might think Isaac Prades is that good too, Um, Daz Cameron, Matt Manning. All those guys I would say are untouchable, but the Tigers have a lot of depth, and that's why their farm system is getting ranked like seventh or eighth in the game. It's not because they have one of the top two or three prospects in the game. It's because they have a lot of good prospects, but good prospects and average prospects generally don't turn out to be anything. And if you can, you know, turn a couple of those guys into an actual player um, I would, I would like to see them do that and then go ahead and yeah, try to piece together the rest with, you know, 20 million and non tender and free agent signings and, and just take your kind of shot and just see, you know, just try to build yourself a team. One thing we kept getting into discussions uh, about in the comments was like, would this guy come here? Because of course we can all say like, hey, sign this guy, sign that guy. A lot of them don't want to come to the Tigers because it's not particularly a great destination in the country anyway. Um, I've grown up in the Detroit area and lived around here most of my life, so I can say that. But uh,
1: you know, I like that you live there, and my knee jerk reaction was to be like, that's rude. <laughs> <Like,
0: laughs> yeah, that's why I, I immediately, offended. that's why I immediately went to explain. Yep. I mean, you know, I can say the same thing about Chicago. Like, you know, most baseball players come from warm weather and they're probably not real stoked about playing, you know, in, in you know freezing rain in April, uh, especially for a team that's terrible, which is why a lot of us don't want to be terrible. You know, we understand we're not going to win a World Series anytime soon, but uh, the worse you get, the more everyone just kind of shies away from you and you're left digging around on guys that no one else is interested in or... You know, the rare guy like DJ LeMayhew or Matt Shoemaker who has Detroit area ties and you hope that, OK, maybe they're they're a little bit more like, OK, yeah, Detroit's a viable option for me. That's fine. We'll have to see. But um,
1: I think at a certain point, these guys just want to have a job. So I think like it's a it's a do you really want to turn your nose up at a team with that kind of pedigree, even though they're not great now? Just because you maybe don't want to, like, be cold in April?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would kind of like to see the Tigers like get a shortstop right now if they can, because that's the only thing. That's the only thing that's really pressing. Um, there's so many second basemen out there. There's a lot of catchers. There's a lot of catchers available out there at this point. And then there's going to be a ton of pitchers. And you know, if they just got a shortstop, so that they didn't have to necessarily worry about that, and they knew they were at least going to be defensively solid with like a Freddie Galvis or a Danny Hatcheria or or bringing back Iglesias, whatever it is. Then, then you just sit there and wait. And I have to imagine there's going to be a ton of talented, cheap veteran players um, who get real, real squirrely um, come January 30th or 31st and start freaking out. And those guys are going to be available. And if the Tigers would just open up the wallet at that point, um, they they could probably do pretty well. I was joking with someone last night, you know that odd uh, you know don't, you know they were complaining about beetle and I was just like, oh, don't worry, man, this is all just Al playing possum, you know. He's just gonna just <laughs> gonna lay back and make it look like we're you know dead in the water and we're not gonna do anything, and then you know he'll swoop down like a, a majestic falcon sometime <laughs> in early February and and just pick the you know pick the the best of the litter that's that's the left of all these poor guys. around in
1: the dried up pond, yeah, you bet.
0: So, you know, we can hope for that. I'd like to see that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a weird off season, and I'm sure we'll, we'll have more to say about it. Um, I don't it's know. weird um, how
1: quickly it's going, though, if you think about it. Like, we're already into December now. We're yeah. two months away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Isn't that uh, just aging,
0: though? That's just us being older now. I like
1: know. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I don't
0: like it. I know. I, was talk- I talked to a, an old friend of mine who I hadn't seen since January yesterday, and you know, I was like, okay, I was out there in January and saw you guys, and then I'm like, I saw you the summer before that, and we kept talking about it, and they were like, no, nah, I don't know, like, like who was there? And I was like, oh, and they were like, no, nah, no, nah, that was, like, two years ago. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. uh, Never, never, uh, never enter your 40s, I guess is my advice on that front. Oh,
1: I still got a little ways to go.
0: <clears throat> yep, you're doing just fine. Yep. Yeah, still, still
1: halfway there. We're fine. Not, like, like <laughs> that would be 20, but no, I got, like, five years. We're okay.
0: Yeah, actually, I've loved my 40s, but yeah, it just yeah, it just feels like time is flying by. And yeah, you're right. I was kind of like, oh my God, how much time is there until pitchers and catchers report? apart? And it's like, oh, that's about two months. <laughs> that's not, not too bad. bad. Yeah, I think we we can right.
1: survive the long dark.
0: Yep. We're going to have, you know, all the exciting news to come from the Rule 5 draft coming up in the winter meetings, you know, where mm-hmm. Alvila will hold court and just, you know, pick pockets and... Fleece dudes left and right i'm sure um uh-huh. there might I be like no your, the, yeah yeah your optimism there. <laughs> i know i backed away from it immediately there's a you know i don't know there might be nothing to talk about as far as the tigers but we'll see well at least take someone in the rule five draft and because the roster is at 38 i feel com- yeah i feel like comfortable that they're gonna at least add one more player before spring <laughs> yeah i would hope so <laughs> yeah yeah and, you know, they picked up Bobby Wilson and, yeah, I mean, you know, and they picked up Matt Moore and you just kind of think like, you know, those are guys who even like, I mean, there might just be better options available and maybe you just cut those guys. Maybe you just make sure you're not, you know, totally naked at catcher and pitcher and then, uh, you know, and then just chill. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll be, uh, we'll be keeping track of the Tigers and, and yelling at them if they don't do that, no doubt. So that's oh, all, yeah, we, can, that's what that's all we can do, do for. for you. Yeah, we do to love, love to for. yell. Yeah. Yeah. We do get grouchy a little bit. <laughs> but not as grouchy as, as the fan base because man, there are some hot potatoes out there and I can't really blame them, but man, you can't say anything like that's not like horrifically critis, you know, critical at this point without people being like, Oh, why are you being soft on the tiger? Uh, we are not. No, we're as grouchy as you guys are. We maybe we're just more jaded at this point. That might be all it is. It's and besides is. Ashley can just like go watch the rays whenever she wants to. Who are like, it's true doing, doing genius stuff down there. And, uh, stacked with pitching and looking like they've got, like, three shortstops. Yeah, yeah, speaking of
1: non-tenders, of all the teams to not non-tender anyone, the Rays paid everyone. Yep, I know.
0: Everybody's been giving them, them giving guys guys grief.
1: We're just gonna keep all these guys.
0: (laughs) Yep, they're like, we've been living on non-tenders all all along. (laughs) Yeah, we've been picking up all these cheap guys. This is what we do. Yeah, Yeah, so they were just in their wheelhouse,
1: right? Waiting with bated breath for the Rays to sign Nelson Cruz you think that's- oh i hope so i think it's such a smart fit i think i think it's such a good move for them especially since it's very obvious the mariners are not doing anything uh they're not going to resign him for anything and i think he'll be a really good crowd draw i want to see him hit home runs off the catwalk like nobody's business yep uh i think it would be such a fun addition i think it makes so much sense
0: yeah, you know, and he's old enough where he's not going to command like a three or four year deal. Like it exactly. seems like they could probably get him for like two years, thirty million, something like that.
1: Yeah, I'm in on it. I I wrote about it for the for D. Rays Bay, but um, I yeah,
0: I would really like to see that. I have nothing but antipathy for Nelson Cruz because of all the things he's done to us. But um, but yeah, from <laughs> from, from the Rays perspective, I could see that. Yeah, that would, that would probably work out well. And since so yeah, you know
1: took me until I think I started watching a lot more Mariners games, <laughs> and it took um, watching him at the All-Star Games, because I was still holding a grudge from 2011, 2014, like, for a, a real, real deep in my heart, because um, he is a life ruiner if he's hit those home runs against you.
0: Yeah, legendary tiger killer. Yeah, he's he's not a fun guy. Maybe the worst, the worst active tiger killer. Now that Joe Mauer has has retired,
1: <laughs> he's uh he brutalizes the tiger, So I had definitely carried quite the grudge. But it, it's real hard to dislike him when you're watching Mariners games.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah, and he, and, he, and he's the guy there who feels like the only one that sort of gets along like with everybody. Like he's the, like the the glue guy there. So him leaving there is definitely kind of an end of a end-of-an-era thing for them um, on top of, obviously, Cano getting dealt away and all, the, all everything else that's gone on there. You know, the one thing about the Mets deal that that I came to think, you know, because at first I was like, what in the bloody hell are they thinking? Like, you could sign a, a second baseman, you know, like Brian Dozier or something for, like, you know, two years, $16 million, and then just sign a couple of relievers, and you'd be fine. and wouldn't have to trade your farm system away. But it all comes down to Edwin Diaz, who... You know, you look at what like Aroldis Chapman was worth like two years ago. Edwin Diaz is a guy who could be that good. So if he stays healthy, I can, I maybe the Mets are, are were a little more right than I thought they were. Um, and they, and if they don't trade Noah Syndergaard, well, okay. Then some of this is starting, starting to make some sense. There, there might be some hope in the new GM's office. Yeah, it's so, it's just gross to me though. The the National League East is like the the most interesting division in the game. All of a sudden now.
1: Oh yeah. Oh.
0: I don't like that. I don't like that one bit.
1: I like that every other team is just like, look at all these cool trades we're doing. And the, Marlins <laughs> the Marlins are like, look at our new uniforms. <laughs> yeah, and That's yeah. what that's we've, what got. we've got. It's our offer.
0: Yeah, Either that or, you know, how much have we did for this fine JT Real Muto who is kind of the only reason to watch that team at this point. Ugh. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so the, I don't know. That's about going to do it for this week. Um, you know, we'll just have to see like if the rule five draft and the winter meetings have, have any like inter tigers interest. If anything is really going on, um, we'll, we'll have another show before the end of the year. Um, we we've probably, I don't know. I, I just, I hate to overpromise cause we just never know what's going to come up, but, um, we are going to still have a, a few guests that we uh, have reached out to and we'll probably mix a few of those, those folks in. Toward the end of the month and in January, um, but probably there's only going to be one one more podcast by the end of the year. Maybe two. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Let's not, Let's get, not crazy, get crazy, Brandon. Yeah, you know the holidays. One and everything. for sure. I know. I have a tendency to be all like, "Oh yeah, we can do one every week." Um, but <laughs> but yeah, then uh, oh Christmas. I mean, and during the the season,
1: yes, we'll get back to one one a week during the season. But yeah, it's a uh, it's we're going into Christmas. It is currently Hanukkah. Um,
0: so, you know, it's it's the season. Yep, exactly. So unless the Tigers, like, um, prompt us by doing a bunch of crazy stuff, um, yeah, it, it probably won't be for two weeks. And then we will try to do something about whatever went on in the, the winter meetings in Rule 5, um, kind of see what's going on there. Uh, one other interesting thing that, that happened, and this, this is just kind of a topic that's near and dear to all of our hearts, but um, baseball prospectus, which has, um, you know, kind of been the, the standard for, you know, analytics and – Kind of uh, outside, you know, outside of MLB itself, you know, they've they've kind of pioneered a lot of um, analysis, a lot of new statistical um, methods that they've put into play. They've got a ton of good writers there over the years. Be Pro annuals, them. kind of the yearly bible to start the season. And they've had a lot of good uh, good writers come and go, and they've got a lot of good writers there now. And they did something interesting this past week where the staff um, actually bought out ownership. And is now running things all on their own, which I thought was awesome. And it actually prompted me to go out and get a membership there for the first time in, in quite a few years. Um, so that's, I don't know, I'm not going to tell everybody to go subscribe to B-Pro. But if you've ever kind of like thought about B-Pro or you hear about Baseball Prospectus and a lot of the work they're doing, this is probably a pretty good time to go ahead and and, and take the, the plunge if you can afford it to become a member over there. There's a lot of extra content that you get um, by doing so and yeah you know they put out a new stat um DRC plus which Robert Jackie our managing editor wrote up on the site um today or yesterday it does not make the tigers look very good no nope, but it did prove that Miguel Cabrera was legitimately the most valuable player in the American League in 2012 2013 over Mike Trout nice it may not have totally proved it it depends on how you feel about it but um but it made some interesting cases but my point being um, you know, at SB Nation, we had a couple um, layoffs this week, which were pretty, uh, pretty upsetting to see go down on the, the MLB side of things, um, which is separate from all the team blogs. It's, it's kind of its own operation, um, but it, it's just a tough time. It's a tough time out there for a lot of these, a lot of well, these and folks. Especially, so if you can support B-Pro, that would, uh, that would be cool. Um, really sad to see well. minor league ball get shut down. Yep, John Sickles minor league ball is now gone. Um Mark Normandine who's been one of the, the best, you know, kind of overall league writers um in the game for quite a few years I thought with uh with SB Nation. He was let go Whitney Mcintosh um, who was another editor writer at, at MLB Beat, the MLB desk with SB Nation was let go. And it just kind of shows you, like you know, it's just it's just a tough time. There's a lot of transition, and if you know, if you're a big fan of certain types of content and you want to read really good, really smart baseball writing, um, subscribing to Baseball Prospectus or Fangraphs is a good way to even the the athletic. Support that. Yep, the athletic as well. um, You know, continues to to produce pretty good. Pretty good stuff. They've got Ken Rosenthal. They've got, you know, Saris. They've, they Katie Strang, Strang. Katie Strang. The inimitable Katie Strang. We love Katie. Yep. Katie's awesome. Um, yeah. And obviously Emily Walden, who used to write for us, yeah, um, yeah. does the minor league coverage over there. So we're, we're buddies with those people. And yeah, we just, uh, you know, this isn't for us necessarily. It's just, just, just something we care about. So if you're out there and you're thinking of something, you know, that you want to do do good for the end of the year or resolution for next year, um, you know, supporting the kind of content you want to see in sports journalism is, you know, as valuable as doing doing so, you know, kind of in mainstream journalism. So put, I'll just put a membership to
1: something on your Christmas list. I asked for a Sabre membership for Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should get you that. I know because I can I then I can participate in the bio project.
0: Yeah, that would be kind of cool. That you, is kind of the, the reason to do so. Yeah. Yep. So, so if anybody's
1: yep. listening and wants to get Ashley a nice present, a membership to Saber
0: <laughs> would be much appreciated. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So, um, you know, we're gonna keep writing up um, some of the, the the free agents that are available. Um, we're gonna keep reviewing the 2018 season, and you'll be seeing a lot more content, on um, those sorts of things coming out um, on the site, and we'll just kind of keep pushing it there. And that's about it. Um, you know, kind of t- in. Concert with that last message, um, we do have a Patreon set up. We don't push it very hard because we don't want to lean on people, and we're going to do this, whether or not we get a whole lot of support there or not. But um, if you head over to patreon.com back, backslash blessyouboys and become a contributing member there, we would greatly appreciate the support. Um, so there's that option for you if you would care to make us a generous gift this year. Um, I could go into my NPR fundraising voice because they've been national public radio has been on their fundraising kick the past year or the past week and i've just like fed up with it but uh, also my day
1: job made up. me cry today so please donate to our patreon
0: yeah yeah we've got to get we got to get ashley out of there and uh and full time in it somewhere so <laughs> so that's about all for now um thanks everybody for joining us thanks for the listener questions that came in and we will talk to you all later ashley have a good evening you too bye-bye